sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Good morning. Welcome to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Miss Joe Pizapia. Great to see everyone today on this July the 16th, 2020. Baseball season starts next week. Can't wait to get that going. We got news in the NFL contract extensions. We got golf teeing off this morning with Tiger Woods back in action. Will he win the Memorial? How will he do? Golf takes center stage again this weekend. And, uh, and certainly a lot of baseball news and notes to get to today here on the show, Joe. And for people who are playing in fantasy, we thought that a lot of the issues would be COVID-related. And then all of a sudden, we got word <laughs> uh, late yesterday that uh, one of the best, not just pitchers, but players in the game, having a little bit of an issue. So, And, of course, he's a Met. Yeah, yeah of course. Of course he's a Met. So, yeah, happy, uh, happy day to me. It's just another day in the long, long history of disappointment as a Met fan. Of uh, This is why we don't have nice things. But yeah, so no COVID injuries, just real baseball injuries. And all of a sudden, we had a little feeling of normal again. Like, oh, right. it's just regular frustrating baseball injuries, which I guess in a weird way feels good. But Jacob deGrom right now, I can assure you, does not feel good. Yeah. Well, look, we'll we'll have to see exactly what the plan is for Degrom moving forward. But you know, certainly having an MRI is never a great thing. And no. that's what we'll start off with today. Um, Degrom had an MRI on his back, and certainly the results will be in soon. And as we're talking here on the show, the results may be very well in. But uh, we'll update that for you throughout the day right here on SportsGrid. Uh, also, the Cardinals, uh, Jack Flaherty said that, announced himself that he's starting opening day for the St. Louis Cardinals. I didn't that's- know you could just do that. Can I just announce myself yeah, starting no, for the I Mets mean, now? I, I, I guess that's... I that's- mean, there's an opening, so possibly. I am the starting pitcher for opening day for the New York Mets. I, I'll, I'll give you one better. Yesterday, we did a conference call uh, with with the, uh, with the Marlins, Don Mattingly, and I asked Don Mattingly who's starting opening day. He said, ah... Oh, you know, uh, I'm not, you know, uh, we're getting close. We'll, we'll we'll tell you soon. And then they went on their YouTube channel and announced that Sandy Alcantara starting opening day. They uh, scooped you. There. How can he scoop the scoop? That's no good. You can't do that to me. You can't That's do no that. That's good. Does he know who you are? You got to go remind him who you are. They were really mad at me a couple of years ago when I gave all five starters before they announced it. So I'll stay uh, out. You're too good at your job. That's the problem. You're too good. Uh, Joe Smith uh, is on the restricted list for the Houston Astros. I guess the inclination appears to be that he's opting out of the 2020 season, although we're not 100% certain there. But that is a big hit for the Astros back end of the bullpen. Eduardo Rodriguez of the Red Sox, no longer a candidate to pitch opening day and maybe not even a candidate to pitch in the first week or two of the season. And he's placed on the 10-day injured list. The Red Sox or a mess going into the year. And uh, Miguel Sano, that's the good news from today. Miguel Sano is back with the Minnesota Twins. Joe and I were just lamenting the fact that he's been out, and now very quickly he is back. And so <laughs> any of these you want to pick on as we start today? <sighs> sure. There's a lot. It, it is crazy, though, how, like, one day, literally, we're like, okay, he's out. We got to prepare. He's and out, then he's next back. Day, he's out, he's back. He's out, he's back. He's out, he's back. That's, that's what's crazy about all this. It's like, how quick are the, the, the positives turning to negatives? And and it's, I don't know, it's a little mind-blowing. And because of that, I want to talk actually about Eduardo Rodriguez, who I know they placed on the IL, but I think this is the difference between the pitcher testing positive and the position player or DH, like we're talking about Jordan Alvarez. The, the difference is when you're missing time as a pitcher, you have to ramp back up again, and there's going to be more of a delay. So that is always going to be the more serious of the two. Obviously, each one of these is serious. We're not trying to lesser any of the seriousness of any of this, but I think we do have to understand the difference between the position player and the pitcher. That being said, I think there might be an opportunity with overreactions of people to maybe go and start looking at Eduardo Rodriguez. I think there's a negative cloud over the Red Sox right now. A lot of disappointment lingering, no Chris Sale. looks like a transition year for them. Eduardo Rodriguez gets hurt. Oh my goodness, the sky is falling. You know what? Still 60 games. There's still a fair amount of starts left. And if you could possibly... For Rodriguez or the Red Sox? Uh, well, there's games left for the Red Sox, and I think there's enough games for Rodriguez at some point in time this season. Nah, nah, you got you to gotta be more real than this. Come on. Well, how, how real? Like, do you think that he's only going to start three games this year? I, I couldn't count on any starts. My guess I know. That, my guess is that he will. If you want to play the positive, you look at Glass now, and right. he came back and threw 50 pitches immediately. Right. But 
I could not tell you, but he did not go on the IL. And he hasn't thrown a single pitch since he's been there. And I have no idea what he's doing on the side. So I could, I, while, while you could be right, it is not something that I could recommend here on the show. I'm going to recommend it because exactly what Craig Mish just said. And I'm going to take the other angle here on the program. And I'm going to do the counter argument, which is I think a lot of people are sour and frustrated and hypersensitive right now because of the 60 games. And there might be opportunity for you to buy cheap right off the bat to start the season on Rodriguez because if a team has more than one of these issues on their roster, they need some bodies. If you're in a position where you have some bodies to give, but you don't have a player that's as good in the rotation as Rodriguez, but can give a couple other lesser pitchers to kind of help that out, that might be a swap worth looking How at. How many starts do you think that he makes? Eduardo Rodriguez, look, if we were earmarking him for we're what, 10? That's well, what were we starting? What's the starting number? 10? I feel like 10 is the, the good number that, to start is, with. Is that like the projection for most? I don't know. Well, I'm just thinking 60 games, five times, you know, five guys in a rotation. I'm thinking say, at least 10 to 12. That's somewhere in that range, right? All right. So, well, uh, if you I, made I, every start in 60 games and you had a five man rotation, that would be 12. <laughs> so that's okay, easy. Math, so, right? what do you, so how many starts do you uh, think? I would take eight right now. I'd be very happy with Eduardo Rodriguez at eight starts. Okay, so if there was a, a number of seven and a half, you would bet the over. I would. I would bet the over there. And more importantly, if you can get them on the cheap by an overreaction, I would look to do that. Because yeah, I wouldn't right bet now, it because I don't know enough about COVID, but it doesn't seem realistic to me. It but. doesn't, except for we get the Glassnow news. We get the Sano news. We've gotten a lot well, more. I, I could not sit here and say if I got a phone call from somebody and said, hey, look, like, even though Eduardo Rodriguez is placed on the IL, my draft is tonight, what would I do? My answer would be not take the guy. But I know. understand that. But we're also dealing with a lot of rosters that are already set and a lot of rosters that oh, might. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, if you can't do what, anything, it's what if, what if that owner already has DeGrom and already has Eduardo Rodriguez? Like what I'm He's saying crying. is you, he is crying and you out there are helpful. You are extending the bridge. You are offering the olive branch to help get them off to a good start and Getting a quality pitcher on the cheap. Aaron Savali is your answer. Aaron Savali for I'll tell you what I bet a lot of people that Eduardo Rodriguez might say, well, okay, you're gonna give me Savali? Well, you know I I I don't want to wait. I'm afraid to wait. There's a lot of fear, and sometimes fear is warranted, and other times it's something to take advantage of. And all I'm saying is, yes, there's absolute risk there. But there's also reward. And more to the point, too, the Boston Red Sox need Eduardo Rodriguez to come back quicker than normal because. Eduardo Rodriguez is the only guy standing in that rotation. He really is. It's so sad. What's so when you factor that real baseball need into things, there's going to be a know, lot of I don't pressure. know that the Red Sox are trying. I don't care whether they're trying or not. There's nobody in that. Like Colin McHugh, Martin Perez, and Nate Eovaldi are not going to be your Red Sox starters the entire year without some other guys I'm going I'm in I'm going to say under seven and a half starts. For I'm going to go with the over. and We'll play that at the end of the year, but yeah. I think it's worth the risk. Let me Let's see the number go. on Fandle. No, Let's play. Okay, uh, good news for uh, around the NFL. Let's touch on this real quick. Uh, Derrick Henry is is somebody that, you know, honestly, with everything going on with the virus-related news, it is great to know that in the fantasy football season, there's one player at least that we're not going to have to worry about in terms of holding out because that is a double-edged sword between COVID on one end and holding out on the other with Cook yeah. and Mixon. Uh, Derrick Henry uh, finally gets his contract. And, you know, in terms of the length and in terms of the money, remember, it's not always guaranteed. So $50 million is the total amount of contract. And this, I think, Joe, uh, sort of sets the baseline to me for the guys who are holding out. And mm -hmm. if they're thinking that they're – and look, I know Henry's older than these other two. But mm -hmm. if, if they think that they're going to get paid more than Derrick Henry, that ain't going to happen. So, um, you know, look – I'm happy that he took it, and I'm happy from a fantasy perspective that we can go in knowing that the guy is signed. But I, I don't. I think that bodes well for him. Does it bode well for the other two running backs that are out there? Fifty million is a lot of money. Maybe they should just take it and go home. I'll take it and go home. I'll. I mean, I'm home already. I might as well take right. it. Right. Just stay. Take it and stay home. I'm taking it. Stay home. That's what I'm. Look, I am so Wear happy mask, for stay home. I am so happy for Derrick Henry, just for some perspective, too, of uh, how much mileage is on Derrick Henry. In his first two years, he had just 276 rushes. Last year, he had 303. So this is a guy that is just now getting the volume. So in the first two years of his career, he was not used all that much in the offense. Obviously, two years ago, we started to see the emergence, and last year, fantastic. And he was the 2019 Fantasy Football Black Book rushing title predicted and he got it. Yeah, it was only by a couple yards, but it doesn't matter because he still got it. And I'm so happy for him. 
he's also one of these guys in the fantasy football people are not paying enough attention to because what happens is, you know, you get everybody who's so hung up on the scoring of PPR and all this that they forget that yards are yards. And Derrick Henry's going to get you a ton of yards. The other thing Derrick Henry's going to do is get a lot of touches at the goal line. He's going to score a lot of touches and uh, touchdowns. And you know what else? He can catch the ball, and I think he will continue to grow in that role a little bit. Is he ever going to be a guy like Le'Veon Bell? No, of course not. But can he be a guy who catches 30-something, maybe 40 balls a year? I don't think it's out of the question, no. And Derrick Henry is one of the few guys where you look at it and say, how many running backs are their offense? Well, Derrick Henry is. And when you're talking about volume, when you're talking about predictability, when you're talking about first-round investment, I feel really good about Derrick Henry again this year. Even in those half- and full-point PPR formats, I am still taking Derrick Henry in the first round happily, gladly, and I do think this is going to be a nice window here for another couple years where it's going to be Derrick Henry season in November and December running over people and running into championships. Yeah, and I and I agree. I, I think that there's certainly a good chance of that happening. Um, the other note just on this is that Dak Prescott did not sign, so we're going to have to stretch this out a little bit. I think that Joe and I more or less see this the same way. We both believe that he's going to play for the Cowboys this year. I think I'm more of the belief that there's a real chance that he misses a game or two. I'm not sure where you stand on that, if you thought that or not. But I don't, I, I think, I don't that, think, I think so. he plays. I just think that there's a chance that he misses a game or two. I don't think he misses a game or two. But I think they're going to go down the wrong road if they franchise him. I, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think this is something that gets announced, you I know, right? Know. You know, as soon as possible. I think but, so. No, yeah, you, I, you think it's happening soon? I do. No, not. as soon as possible before the season starts. So I'm saying it's right around that. Not as soon as possible now. Like right as soon as you can get him enough time in camp that it's reasonable. I don't think he's going to miss all camp. I think that would be crazy. I don't think the Cowboys want to go in that way. I don't think that's that's a recipe for getting off to a good start in this NFL season. I really don't. And not that Andy Dalton's not capable. Of course, Andy Dalton's capable. He's played in the league for a decade, but he's not Dak Prescott. And I think getting Dak Prescott on the field is important. Is he going to be there the first day of camp? Probably not. But I'm optimistic that before the season starts, he is going to be signed to a new deal. Because you can't go pay Amari Cooper and all these other guys and not pay Dak. Because Dak is far more important to the long-term health of the Cowboys franchise than even Ezekiel Elliott. And I know that sounds crazy to some people, but it's the truth. It is. And we have a fun football season coming your way right here on Fantasy Sports today. We'll cover fantasy football from start to finish as we get closer to that as well. Uh, coming up a little bit later on the show, there are plenty of options to bet on baseball, football, basketball, hockey, soccer, and even table tennis. And John Sheeran is going to join us, the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook, a little bit later in the show to go over that. Also, will the Cubs make the postseason in 2020? We'll have those odds. Will the Braves make it in 2020? We'll have those odds, too. And I'll unearth my fantasy baseball team that I drafted back in February. All that and more coming up next, as we'll be right back here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. I'm Craig. He's Joe. We're back right after this. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back. It's time for this day in fantasy sports history and our fantasy sports birthdays for July the 16th, 2020. We got a lot to get to here on this edition of the show. We've got some legends here in baseball and uh, football. And I would say that really one of the great uh, coaches in the NFL of all time as well. Yes, I like the eclectic mix that we always bring to this day in fantasy sports, not to mention all the birthdays as well. So let's get to it. Let's let's start finding out what happened today. In fantasy sports. Sure, right, right. In okay. fantasy sports, right. In fantasy sports, yeah. Because we played fantasy sports back in 1941 when Joe DiMaggio <laughs> hit in 56 consecutive games. And um, look, I, I still think that this is one that can be done. I know that players, Joe, don't typically try to get hits anymore. They try to get home runs. But we've seen a few 30s. We saw 40. I, 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 I would say that it is doubtful that this would ever happen again, but... Not impossible. This is one that I wouldn't rule out. I agree. I, I don't think this is impossible. Of all the historical baseball records that have uh, withstood the test of time, this is one that I actually agree with you. I think it's very approachable. It's a combination of good luck 
and a really, really good batting eye. And just for uh, for the sake of understanding how good the batting eye of Joe DiMaggio was, over his 13-year career, again, he lost some time in the service, Joe DiMaggio missed three seasons from 1943 to 45, and obviously during his prime years as well. But the rest of the 13 years, the guy had 790 walks and just 369 strikeouts. That's it yeah. for his career. Let that sink in for a minute. The the you know I know Ted Williams gets all the credit in the world for being such an incredible hitter and yeah Ted Williams had a little bit more power than Joe DiMaggio but from a batter's eye perspective from an understanding of the strike zone from a guy who just made incredible contact I mean when I throw that number out at you yes I know the game has changed but even for that period of time Craig that is a stunning differential to think that a guy for his career for 13 seasons would only strike out 369 times it's basically Very somewhere around 30 something a season that's nuts. Yep, no, very true, and DiMaggio did that. Speaking of Yankees, another former Yankee, uh, Don Mattingly in 1987. Today, he homered for the sixth straight game. He would end up breaking the record and homering for eight straight games, and, of course, Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, would end up doing this as well. And uh, I asked uh, Donnie yesterday, Joe, about this, and and I said, you know, this is the time where you were doing it, and he basically said, yeah, you know, I was just hot at the time, and the hits just happened to be home runs. Like, he just will never he just will never get excited about this sort of stuff. I don't know. I've tried through the years, and I've talked to him about all the different things that he's done, but he's just so humble, and he won't ever give it up. But he was he was as dominant and as great as any hitter for the 80s that, that, that there was, I mean, basically. Oh, absolutely. I love Donnie Baseball. Got a great mustache in the 80s as well. And Donnie was a humble guy and also very protective still. Uh, you learned a lot of lessons in the New York media. I think that's why a little protective of getting too excited or up and down about anything. But let me pick up the names that uh, he's dropping everywhere, Craig Mission. Let me pick some of them up here and uh, and talk about the 1987 season for Don Mattingly because 87, a pretty darn good year for him. Uh, this is a guy that hit 30 home runs that year, 115 RBI. And when you talk about the batting average, hit 327 with a 937 OPS. Donnie Baseball was a great two-way player. Uh, now, Ricky Henderson, I'm sure if you asked him how good his season was a certain he year, tell he'd you. tell you. He would tell you. He would yeah. tell you for sure. All right, 2003, Minnie Minoso plays professional baseball. Again, this is independent league. Uh, Minnie Minoso passed away a few years ago, played baseball in seven different decades, I believe uh, four decades worth in the uh, Major League Baseball, and seven decades total. So... You must love doing something if you want to do it. Like, I heard he might come back decades. again. Yeah, I heard it's going to be like a weird Walking Dead thing. He's going to come back. <laughs> They're going to bring him out. in the Yeah, he's going to put him out there. Just, you know, like a zombie shortstop kind of scenario. You know, maybe a maybe it's a Halloween-themed night at the ballpark. Who knows? Whatever that might be. But it's, it's, it's cool because of the decades thing. Like, it's obviously the reason why he did it. But there's got to be just a, a strange love for the game, you know, that makes you want to go out there and even do something like that. I know it was a Bill Lee, I think, the spaceman, was still pitching well into his 50s in some independent league, you know, semi-professional baseball just yeah. because he, he loved to pitch and he wanted to be out there and pitching. And, you know, I think that's a beautiful thing. And I think that of all the games, baseball is the one where you could kind of find a way to keep doing it somehow if you want to keep doing it for much longer. I think hockey's real difficult. Basketball, clearly difficult, and football, forget it. You're lucky if a guy can get through three seasons, so let true. alone be playing when he's 50-something. But baseball, you know, some of these guys, they find a way to get it done. Yep, they do. Uh, Ryan Howard, and this is an interesting one. Ryan Howard in 2009, Joe, was the fastest player to hit 200 home runs in baseball history. He did it over the course of 658 games. Remember, Howard was sort of a late bloomer to the mm. Phillies, and they also— Held him back, I would say, probably a little bit because Jim Tomei was there at first base. Right. They had just acquired him. So, um, look, Howard had a really good career, probably not a Hall of Fame career, but he just shot out of a bottle as soon as he got to the big leagues. And I know that Phillies fans were kind of clamoring for him to play a little bit when Tomei was there because Tomei was toward the end of his career. But Tomei did go on and play with the Twins after that and was pretty productive as well. Uh, but, yeah, Ryan Howard was a pretty prolific home run hitter. In fantasy, he was like a rock-solid second-round pick. You knew you were getting 40 home runs. Yeah, well, that depends on what kind of format you're playing in. The strikeouts were always a negative side to the Ryan Howard game, but the power was always very positive. This was a dude who could drop 40 bombs any season. Defensively, he held his own. I won't think he was a great defender. I don't think I would say that, but uh, you think about him, you think about Chase Utley, you think about Pat Burrell, 
to me, that was that core group for those Phillies teams that had that run. And then they brought in Halliday. They had Hamels they brought up, too. Those are exciting times for baseball in Philadelphia. That was right after they got the new ballpark, too. And that ballpark was tailor-made for Ryan Howard. Man, that was a great ballpark for him to hit home runs in. And a really fun team to watch. They had a lot of grit. Jason Worth was on those teams, too. They had a lot of intensity. They were fun to watch. Even as a Mets fan, I appreciated that version of the Phillies. Yep. Uh, no doubt, 2017, Roger Federer wins his eighth Wimbledon title. He'll go down as arguably the best male tennis player of all time. All right, this day in fantasy sports, birthdays for July the 16th. We start off with the long-past shoeless Joe Jackson, who was born in 1887. And then we move forward almost 100 years to Jimmy Johnson, who has uh, one of the best lives going right now in Key West, goes fishing every single day, or Key Largo, excuse me, goes fishing every single day and a member of the Hall of Fame as well. 1960, Terry Pendleton, former NL MVP. 1968, one of the greatest running backs of all time was born, Barry Sanders. 1980, great golfer Adam Scott. And then 1989, Gareth Bale, one of the great soccer players of our time as well. So uh, different you know, sort of list here today. I always love uh, bringing up Jimmy Johnson because I can only imagine, Joe, what he's doing on his birthday. He uh, <laughs> likes to have fun, likes to fish never takes things too seriously. It's like he is the opposite of an NFL head coach that was an NFL head coach. It's, <laughs> it, it, it's very bizarre. He uh, he has a restaurant yeah. uh, in Key Largo also called uh, Jimmy Johnson's Big Chill. And when they first opened it up a few years ago, they invited me down. I went to the grand opening of that. I took my wife down there. It was an amazing uh, first night there. He brought in like you know all of his uh, Fox guys there. So mm -hmm. it was cool to see that. And, uh, and Key Largo's an awesome spot, man. There's no doubt. It's a lot of fun. But Jimmy Johnson certainly has, has had another life after football, and it's a broadcasting life. But if you want to find him, just find the water somewhere because he's out there fishing. Well, I think he also showed you that, you know, you can still have a good personality and, and be fun and be an NFL head coach and a great college coach to boot as well. And, you know, not always take yourself too seriously, but also right. be willing to put the work in. Like uh, Bruce Arians is like that, too. You know, these guys, they're serious about their jobs, but they're not super serious about themselves. Whereas but do you think the, Jimmy Johnson was ever fun as a head coach? I don't know, man. I mean, Michael Irvin had some fun stories about him. He seemed to really like his personality when he played for him uh, in college and then in the pros, too. I mean, I don't know. He, I mean, how about them Cowboys? He seemed like a fun kind of guy. I think he was serious when he had to be. I mean, you maybe, think he was a so. taskmaster I, I never, guy? I never really envisioned him as having a lot of fun as a coach. I envisioned him real serious. I always imagine he's he was serious about the preparation, but I think he's probably one of these guys that was fun because, well, you were winning. So the preparation's good. You're having a good time. Uh, I love the uh, Hall of Fame um, announcement for him. Yeah, that was they cool. Did, they did that for him and Cower on this, uh, the subsequent, uh, I guess it was the same day or the next day or something like that, whatever that was. Yeah, it was very close to each other. That They're was different one of the networks, best. So they did different one networks. on playoff game and then one on the I next. just thought that was tremendous. Like, I, I got teary-eyed, man. Like, it was just such an emotional thing because there's something about being around those guys that he's with every week and working with for so many years and, you know, having that moment, being able to share that with them yeah. and, and not knowing it's coming and then get it on live True. TV. And that's, that's a very cool thing. And, again, how many coaches can we say – had a great college coaching career and a great NFL coaching career. Not many. Usually the guys like that don't cross That's over. Absolutely true. Yeah. You know, usually it's one or the other. <laughs> it's very rarely both. And by the way, let's also have a minute too. you talk about guys who kept holding on for baseball. How about Joe Jackson? Now, in honor of Joe Jackson, I, this Joe, am not wearing shoes right now. You can't see it. You just have to take my word for it. But trust right. me, it's summertime. I'm wearing the flip-flop, so no real shoes here. I just took them off for this segment to talk about Joe Jackson. Obviously, the inspiration for the novel, uh, Shoeless Joe, which became the movie Field of Dreams. But Joe Jackson, a lot of people don't realize, you know, hung on after the scandal and after the banishment and was playing in semi-professional baseball because he couldn't read or write. He wasn't able to do too much. And uh, he was trying to make a living. And baseball was all that he knew. And it's kind of a sad story. And it's also a sad story because these guys really weren't getting paid properly by Charlie Comiskey. And the whole Black Sox scandal could have been avoided if... It was a players' union at the time, and these guys were getting compensated properly, and they weren't. So it's a, it's a tough story, but one of the great stories in baseball. And Eight Men Out, another great book about this scandal, too. So there's your summer reading. Eight Men Out, Shoeless Joe, go get ready. Baseball's back. A little summer reading, too. Did you ever read either of those books, Craig? You a reader? No, I, I was a reader once upon a time, but I'm not I would not say that I am anymore. Yeah. They're both very good books. Great films. I would say the movie version is a little bit more fun of Field of Dreams than the book is. 
Um, also, fun thing, the the writer character, you know, the J.D. Sal, it's actually J.D. Salinger in the book. It's actually a real historical author, Terrence Mann, played by uh, James right. Earl Jones in the film. Fictional character because it couldn't get the rights, obviously, to use J.D. Salinger <laughs> in there. But that's kind of an interesting, you know, moment and differential in the book and things like that. So uh, Eight Men Out, great novel, fantastic film as well. It does not get enough credit, I think. When people talk about great baseball movies. Would you agree with that one? Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly for sure. I really enjoyed that one. All right, uh, let's do this. We got to take a quick. Oh, by the way, I want to mention Barry Sanders. Worthy. We didn't spend enough oh, time. Oh, yeah. Let's Sanders. get some Barry in there. Barry Sanders was great. He was awesome. Uh, when he takes pictures, he doesn't smile. But other than that, I think he's he's the best. My first football jersey, Barry Sanders. That right there. I just I could not get enough of that guy. Maybe because he was short like me. I'm still drafting him every year in fantasy, hoping he comes. <laughs> think you should i think that's a good plan dude yeah you may you may uh you may pull that off all right uh coming up next it's time to dive into some of the latest in baseball we've got a couple of players uh, of course testing positive we've got an injury uh, on the mets of course we talked about earlier we'll dive a little bit deeper into that and a little bit later john sheeran's going to join us on the show the FanDuel Sportsbook now has several uh other wagers that you could place in terms of futures for the baseball season and so john and i will you know, sort of discuss some of those. One of them is the over-under on steals for 2020. So we'll hit on that when we come back a little bit later. Uh, but up next, more baseball discussion, the latest in the Seattle Mariners closing situation, who will start opening day for the Mets, all that and more. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is SportsGrid. Agree. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here until 1 o'clock Eastern. Don't forget, starting next week, our show moves from 11 a.m. to 12 p.m. every single day. So make sure you catch us next week uh, right here on Sports Grid Fantasy Sports Today from noon to 2 Eastern every day as we get ready for the baseball season coming up next week. I know that there, uh, Joe, a little bit later, we'll dive into some fantasy ramifications from my fantasy team. We'll unearth my fantasy team from labor. I actually did find it. Oh. You're right. It wasn't as difficult as I was making it out to be. I did. I was able to locate it. Cookies. Cookies but, help. But it's, <laughs> but it's there. And, um, and, and certainly, I think that there's going to be some positive situations for everybody and negative situations for everyone. And you just have to wade through it and decide. Do you think you have a shot or not based on the team that you drafted? And for me, you know, I think we'll see later that I, I think I have a shot. Uh, but one of actually the key uh, things that we're going to talk about here at the beginning is something that really benefited me uh, over the last couple of days. So, look, we'll see if that is the case. Uh, this is the first one. Yoshi Hirano uh, was away from the Mariners. They didn't report anything. And then all of a sudden, uh, late yesterday, they put him on the 10-day injured list. And clearly with no designation, you know that he tested positive for COVID or you make that assumption, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing with that these days. But uh, Hirano, <laughs> All that matters is he's not there. Can we all just agree there. on that? He's not there. That and, he's not and there. And Hirano's ERA wasn't really good with Arizona last year. It was pretty good the year before that. But there was some discussion that he could figure in into the ninth inning situation in Seattle. Matt McGill, is he a good closer? Probably not, but he could be the only one there. I, I honestly don't know who's going to be saving games for them, but... Uh, losing Hirano is a positive for McGill, and I am a McGill owner, and that's the best that I could come up with on this. 4.09 <laughs> earn run average, five saves. I mean, Dan Altavilla is throwing 100, so supposedly, in some of these uh, camps that they're going, so maybe he's a nice speculative ad. But the problem is, even, Joe, anyone that gets saves in the first half for the Mariners probably getting traded anyway. So, so I don't, I don't uh, know that maybe, maybe. I don't know that there's any good scenario here. I, I don't know if Matt McGill can do enough, even with closing a few games for the Mariners, to really improve his stock enough on the open trade market. But anything's possible, and there will be other injuries, so there might be some desperation, and the team might want to take him on anyway. Uh, the Hirano injury is disappointing because I think a lot of us, 
in fantasy baseball circles were kind of speculating on him being the guy that could kind of take that job because McGill last year was not very good. You know, you don't want your closer who's pitching one inning at a time to have an ERA over four. I mean, that that ain't good. <laughs> like, you, you know how bad you have to be to pitch one inning at a time to oh, have yeah. an ERA over four? Just let that sink in for a moment and try to think about that. We'll do the math, but I really don't have to. <laughs> Just trust me, it's not good. Uh, but I would say you're also on the right track of, yeah, there's going to be people early on that kind of go after McGill because it's just a default. But I would be in deeper leagues throwing some money in some other spots, too. You mentioned uh, one guy was throwing 105 there. That 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 piques my interest. I'm listening to that. Not that I need a guy to throw 105. But I want somebody out there who's got a live arm. I want somebody out there that might not cost me much now. Whereas McGill might be a guy in the waiver wire costing people out of, a who knows, a $100 budget for fab. Maybe somebody's going to go $23, $24 on him just to get another closer because we don't have a lot of season here. And every save you're going to have to basically pay for. And the point is, if you miss out on that or you don't want to spend that much money on a guy like that, you might have to then pivot to some of these lesser arms in that bullpen who have some upside and maybe one of them emerges. But the trick is to try to do it now because if you do it now, it's going to cost you a buck or two as opposed to in three weeks when Matt McGill blows two saves – well, it's going to cost you a lot more than that. And that's something you should think about and always be prepared for. Do you feel good about Matt McGill and keeping that job for, I don't know, and even, really. even when Hirano's back? Like, do you Not think he really. just... Oh, wait, no. let me flip it on you. Do you think Hirano's an interesting guy to be adding if he's out there right now? No. Okay. No. I I, I think the, the most saves on Seattle is a chance that we haven't even named the guy yet. You know, I think I, that's probably more likely, too. Yeah. I think that's a that's a possibility. But... Uh, look, chasing saves is still going to be a part of fantasy, even in a 60-game season, and you have to do it. And so there is an example of that. Uh, obviously, look, the bigger story today, and we touched on it in the beginning of the show, uh, is Jacob deGrom having his MRI. Uh, there's no doubt that if he's not the best pitcher in baseball, he's second. And if he's not second, he's third. But he's probably first. Uh, 64 starts over the last two years with a combined ERA under two, and he's a back-to-back Cy Young Award winner. And and look, I, I just, I, I don't, I don't know that this falls under the category of, of really extreme worry yet, but I got to tell you, Joe, I, I would find it very hard to believe we see him uh, pitch for the Mets on opening day, and then the question becomes, if you're doing a draft in the next couple of weeks, even with an MRI result that comes back saying that yeah he'll be perfectly fine. My trust factor is not going to be very high here. So uh, it's worth mentioning again here in this segment. Yeah, and he's also the chalk when it comes to who's going to win the Cy Young this year. And obviously that's going to have a huge impact on that, and, and rightfully so. I mean, right now I don't think he can go in for that bet. Uh, I can't remember what he was off the top of my head, but uh, was it like a 3-1 to one basically? Or I think it was somewhere around there, 350, something like that, plus 350 if memory serves. I don't know what it's going to change to, but – it's certainly going to be more difficult. And all of a sudden, Craig Mish's uh, pick for Max Scherzer looking better and better by the moment. We can only hold our breath and hope that it's nothing serious, but backs are always tricky things. And backs are never good. And the Mets can't afford to lose Jacob deGrom no matter what, but they can ill afford to lose him after they've already lost Noah Syndergaard for the year two. They're running out of starting pitchers, and we haven't played a game yet. It's not a good look for Mets fans, and this is the burden of being a Mets fan. This is what happens. This is This is life. We've come to understand this. We've come to accept it. We hate it, but this is the truth. You're already down to now Stroman and Matt's, Michael Walker and Porcello. That's your four remaining guys. I can only assume you'll have to bump Gazelman back into the rotation and stretch him out. Uh, how long that's going to take now, I don't know, potentially. But I'm just keeping my fingers crossed and hoping that, you know, whatever this is, it's nothing serious. And maybe he misses the opening day week or something like that. Then he can come back after that. But right. Uh, the problem is there's no margin for error anymore, Craig. It's a 60-game season. You miss two weeks, all of a sudden, you know, that's three starts. Where are the Mets going to be without those three DeGrom starts? I don't think it's a good place. Yeah. No, I mean, it doesn't appear to be good, but, you know, hopefully for him, it's uh, it's not something that's all that serious, although I find it hard to believe because, I mean, look, I'm looking at it now, and I think of back injuries, and I think of pitchers, and really the first one that comes to mind is Clayton Kershaw. And those weren't overly serious, but he did miss starts. And so, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's one thing in a 35-start season or 32-start season that to miss two or three. It's another thing to miss five or six because five or six, you know, ruins your entire fantasy season. Well, but yeah, missing two or three in the 60-game season is the equivalent. 
Yeah, no, it's it's just uh, it, it's really depressing to me with Degrom because uh, he was he's somebody that I I really think that could have won another Cy Young with the Mets. But you know, I mean, listen, we won't get too crazy. Hopefully, there'll be some better results that we'll hear about in the coming days as well. Uh, also, a back injury, Joe, for Anthony Rizzo of the Chicago Cubs. He was asked by reporters yesterday whether or not he'd be ready to play on opening day next week. He paused and then said, yes, he thinks he'll be. He said most of the big pain is gone or something like that. That's another you know, thing. That's, that it's see. funny. That's exactly what Craig Mish said the first time I was all bounced off this show. <laughs> most, That's of the big exa- pain. most of the big pain is gone now and I can go forward. And, and now look what happened. It returned just months later and, and ruined Craig's season. But uh, I'm actually surprised there have been more injuries. We've been so COVID focused that with everybody ramping up baseball activities again, just like they do every spring. I feel like I'm surprised it hasn't been more of this and it's starting to pop up now. Have you been surprised it hasn't been more of this? Uh, I mean, I, I guess a little bit. It has been two weeks with relatively nothing. I, I suppose uh, Pache on the Braves was an injury. Buxton was another yeah. one. Yeah, I, I suppose you're right. I would think that there would be eight to ten injuries after two weeks, but there, you know, the, the Grom one seems to be the one that has the biggest fantasy impact thus far. Yeah, and look, hopefully Rizzo will be okay too, but uh, all you can do is hold your breath. You know, it's always difficult in spring training because a lot of the guys don't want to push themselves in spring and they get any kind of tweak. They want to just take a couple of days off because spring training is long. Spring training is for pitchers, basically. Let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. And what I don't understand is, you know, we talk about shortening the preseason for the NFL. I don't know why spring training is so damn long. I really don't. I, I think the Major League Baseball season starting in, in mid-February is is unnecessary like i don't know why maybe they do need more time off or i don't i don't know but it feels like it's just to get the pitchers ready and it's not to evaluate who's on your team because the salaries basically dictate that the guys in the bubble the last three players it's not like the nfl where you're trying to figure out the last six seven guys potentially on special teams and who could do this and who could do that and who can return kicks in a in a pinch it's a whole different thing with baseball why is spring training so long and in your opinion could it be three weeks and let's go I don't think for the pitchers it can be that, but for the hitters potentially, yeah. Well, but here's no, the thing. The, don't the pitchers, the pitchers, need, start the pitchers need a lot of time to get ready. But don't they always start – I mean, they're always two weeks ahead of everybody anyway, and they still need more time. Why is that? Well, because they got to build up their arm strength to be able to go late into a game. <laughs> who, who does that? Who goes late into game? <laughs> That's the Gary Well, Cole these days it's the sixth inning, but yes, I, I, I understand <laughs> what you're saying in theory is true, but well, what you're saying in theory was also true once upon a time. Yes, you have to build up stamina for all hundred pitches. Now you have to throw in a baseball game. It's not like Al Leiter going out there throwing 142 pitches. Like this, this, this no, you're right. It doesn't, ha- it doesn't happen anymore. But I, I feel like. I feel like that's the reason, and I don't know if it's just an excuse at this point, but I would tell you that they they must really need it for them to be building all back up again here in the summer because they went through a full spring training the last mm-hmm. time. Right. You know, they, they, we went right up until the last week, and essentially we're doing it all over again. So, look, I, I, I understand it, and I get what you're saying, but... Especially because will change. because it's not like, you know, back in the old days where, you know, you stopped playing for the Dodgers and then you go, you know, you, you went and worked at Ace Hardware for the next four months and then you went back to playing baseball. Right. It's not like that anymore. I, I can understand spring training was literally to get everybody into shape. Now everyone's posting, just trust me on this, on their Instagram account. Just, just trust me, they're posting it on there. I know you don't have the Instagram yet, no, but they're. They're posting all the workout videos. They're posting all this stuff of them always being there and and look at me lifting and look at me running and look at me throwing and all these things, right? So they're all working out in the offseason. So if you're all working out, nobody's working other jobs. Nobody pitches seven, eight innings really except for a handful of guys. I'm trying to figure out what the hell are we doing up there for eight weeks? Like, it's crazy. Yeah, well, maybe a new proposal is coming from Joe P. That's right. <clears throat> Expect one on your desk tomorrow morning, Mr. Manfred. I look forward to that. I look forward to it. All right. Uh, baseball season is set to go. And for those of you who are looking to potentially bet some money on the baseball season, you may want to go over to the FanDuel Sportsbook because over on FanDuel, they have a lot of different options for you. But specifically, what are those options and what more could be in store for the baseball season on FanDuel? John Sheeran, who's the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook, is going to join us next here on Fantasy Sports Today. So make sure you stay tuned. And by the way, head on over to our website, sportsgrid.com, to see all of our videos and get the latest here with everything that we do on the channel. We'll be back right after this.
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. So much happening with us here at Sports Grid, of course, uh, and also with FanDuel, our great partners here, the Pat McAfee Show, starting up next week here on Sports Grid as baseball returns live. And, of course, we'll have coverage for you here on Fantasy Sports Today. And the other angle, of course, that we cover baseball, football, basketball, soccer, hockey, and all the other sports is over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, always looking to get information and kind of catch up, but it's great to do it today with John Shearer, the director of the FanDuel Sportsbook, joins us now here on SportsGrid. John, great to see you again. Thank you so much for spending some time on the show today. Anytime, Craig. Enjoy us. Well, I, I mean, we're, we're in a different spot, John, than we were a month ago, that's for sure. We're feeling really excited here on our show and on SportsGrid that some of the major sports are coming back. We've seen NASCAR. We've seen golf. Of course, the MMA has been back as well. But, John, when baseball comes back next week and then the NBA the following and then soccer, uh, I'm sorry, and then hockey very soon after that, I have a pretty strong feeling that you're going to be seeing a lot of interest, a lot of clicks over at FanDuel coming up pretty soon. Yeah, I mean, I hope that's the case. Obviously, uh, I think there's a lot of pent-up demand, uh, particularly for the core sports, as you touched on. I think the return is going to be phenomenal. I expect us to break a lot of records in terms of overall handle. Uh, particularly on those core sports, particularly on those opening nights. If it's the opening night in MLB with the two games or even uh, the first night a week or so later in terms of NBA, expect them to be huge demand. And we're going to be uh, pretty aggressive in making sure that we're giving the customers the opportunities and the betting options that they want. Yeah, and, and I would say this, that you guys have done a great job with you know, slowly but surely integrating some of the new uh, positions in uh, in baseball and john in the last 24 hours i noticed a lot of other fun ones too and it seems like as you said uh, there's a lot of adjustments coming with a 60 game season i know for the season win totals just so for people are clear who are betting over at fanduel 59 games is the number that everybody has to get to in order for that bet to qualify and also a ton of proposition wagers are up will there be a no hitter this year will a player hit 400 20 home runs strikeouts by any pitcher rbis and so these are things that I know that you guys are hard at work at, and it gets us excited because it means that I'm guessing a lot more is coming next week. Yeah, I mean, look, we've been building up on it since we got confirmation of the shortened season and the format that it has. Obviously, we had to take down and void a lot of the uh, pre-existing markets. They all had a requirement for 75 games to be played. Obviously, that's not possible now with a 60-game series or season. So uh, we've just been adjusting all of our lines over the last couple of weeks since that confirmation came out. Obviously, new markets that we have with new requirements mean updated rules. It means checking in with regulators to make sure that they're okay. So there is kind of a, a kind of a systemic delay in us getting back to market with all of those uh, propositions that we want to offer. Uh, you know, I think we'd probably be close to being back to where we expect to be a couple of days before the season gets uh, in full swing next Thursday. But uh, the majority of them, I would say, are probably there already for people to bet on. Yeah, over the last day or so, I've seen an additional 40 or 50 up. And by the way, for those people who live in states where you can bet on FanDuel, just go to FanDuel.com right now and get signed up. And you can watch our show every day as we talk about a lot of the different markets that John is talking about. And of course, before we get to some of the other core sports, John, now that we are getting back to those main sports being back, if I, if I had to say to you, now that this is, I mean, we were still in the middle of the pandemic, but if, if I said to you, sports is back, John, take me through the last four months and tell me what was the biggest surprise on the positive side from your end in terms of people who have gone to the site and wagered, whether it's a handle on a certain sport or an interest on a certain sport, was there something at the end of this, now that we're going to have the real sports back, that you'll go, wow, I really you know, didn't think that that would happen, but it did? Uh, I don't know where to start. It's been such a kind of long road in such a short sp uh, period of time that it's kind of hard to kind of quantify one against the other. Um, I think probably table tennis is the obvious one. I mean, if somebody had told me we'd have been doing the handle numbers that we were doing on table tennis at any stage of my career, I probably would have laughed at them. So... Uh, that was probably the most obvious one. I think 
from my perspective, building out content was all about engaging customers and keeping them active on our site, letting them know that we're still there. Uh, we're giving them recreational betting opportunities, and I think we did a good job of that. And that was the most, I guess, positive thing for me. Yeah, I, I would guess what I would wonder, John, from your perspective, when the core sports come back, because we've never seen this before, I guess it's an unpredictable question. Maybe you can't answer it, but you have a lot more background than I do. Would you expect all of those sort of options like t table tennis and darts and some of the things you guys had will you still have options there do you think people will still gravitate to that have they found an itch or do you think they just disappear with all the main sports being back i mean they were there beforehand to a certain degree i think there'll still be a demand for them obviously they'll fall back more in line with normality um i do think some sports like golf have had a good opportunity to be in front of eyes that may not necessarily have attracted previously other sports like NASCAR and MMA or two that come to mind as well. I think they're the sort of sports that will maintain a, a kind of bigger degree or bigger core base of interested fans than previously. So I think there's some inherent growth and benefit to that there. But I think, you know, fundamentally, we know 96, 95% of our business will come from four core sports, soccer and tennis. And I think that'll always be the case. Yeah. And the other thing that we've talked about previously is uh, American football, certainly. And we're only a week or two away from getting this sorted out. And, John, from my perspective, I've always thought that, you know, as big as a monster is the NFL, and especially for you guys, you know, college football, uh, you know, to me, especially where I live in the South, is, is an absolute monster as well. And, and that would be my concern at this point. Do you guys have the same concern that there will be no college football, or do you think I mean, just I, I know it's a tough one to ask, but do you think that both end up coming back? I believe the NFL will at least try. I'm not sure about college. Yeah, I think travel is probably the biggest impact, our biggest concern, uh, definitely impacting all of their decisions, Craig. I think MLB's probably got a tough challenge to get through even 60 games, traveling in and out of areas where the pandemic is less under control than others, trying to keep players protected. Uh, all of the, you know, baggage and, and, you know, the wider team members that come with, uh, not just the team player, but the coaching staff. I think that's all going to represent a huge challenge. I think college football has the same issue. I don't think they can control it as well. And the cost of it is probably a bigger issue for colleges than it is for pro teams. So uh, I, I have major concerns about college football. I have big concerns about NFL and MLB getting finished as well. I agree with you. I think both of them are going to start out and see how it goes. But I think at a certain stage, both of them sports may come under pressure. Obviously, we've seen some of the college sports break up into conferences and say they're going to at least have conference play. Uh, that may also mean that they get started, but I don't see any way we don't see a delayed season at best. And like you say, I have a big concern that we don't even see any college football. Yeah, it's tough with kids involved. You know, that's a big part of uh, you know certainly everything that's going on. All right, uh, John. Before we let you go, um, any anything interesting for FanDuel coming up? Any anything in particular that is is worth mentioning to our audience? I know that they hang on to every word that you say when we have you on. They're all wondering, wow, what's going to be next? And uh, look, I know that it's been a very tough time for a lot of people uh, in the world, but especially with no sports here in the U.S. Uh, your traffic is going to be up exponentially in the next couple of weeks. What can people expect? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, we're always working to give people more opportunities to bet. We want to give people differentiators that other operators don't. Uh, we'll continue to invest in that. I would say in the next year or so, our main priorities are on, you know, doing a better job of college basketball and football than anybody else does. I think there's a lot of opportunity for growth in that area. And then the other thing I would say is expanding on same game parlays and giving people the options to be more involved in different elements of each of the core sports. I think baseball is a key one as well. We're looking at, you know, rolling out a new model probably by the end of August and hopefully before we get into a postseason that we'll deal with a lot of at-bat betting and kind of the minute levels of the game that maybe a lot of bettors haven't seen before. So they're probably the key call-outs in the next kind of 12 to 24 months from my perspective. All right, John. Well, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Always great to check in with you. We love the content over at FanDuel. It's it's basically the first website that I click every single day. And I live here in Florida. I can't even <laughs> act on it. But it's the first thing that I do every day to make sure that I have all my bases covered because of the job that you guys are doing over there. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate it, Craig. Anytime. And thanks again to John Sheeran for coming on the show. As I mentioned, there are a ton of new options over at FanDuel to take a look at. And for me, one of the most intriguing ones, I'm going to show it to you here, 
most stolen bases by any player in 2020, excluding playoffs. And again, there's so many different options here, but I wanted to show you this one in particular. You see the total here is 17 and a half, uh, minus 115 to win $100, uh, basically 17 and a half is the number. And uh, to close it out with this, let me give you a little tip here. This is going under. <laughs> I mean, there is just no stolen bases anymore in baseball. The only possible way that you could see anything like this happening is that, is that you, if you, I guess you're counting the extra inning games with a runner going on second and they have two outs and a light hitting batter is at the plate. Would they have that batter, that uh, runner steal? And if there is those designated pinch runners in 2020, maybe there's a chance uh, that this would go over. But, folks, if you have paid attention to baseball in the last five years, simply put, the leader in stolen bases is usually in the 40s in a 162-game season. So I would have a very heavy lean toward under 17.5 stolen bases in 2020. And this is available over at the FanDuel Sportsbook, as well as the most runs scored by any player, RBI, strikeouts. Will any player hit 20 home runs? And Joe Pizapia and I, of course, will have a deeper dive into this as we get closer to the Major League Baseball season getting ready to kick off. But uh, no one is stealing. It's just a thing in baseball now that teams are so cognizant that every batter can hit a home run. And even when there's a runner on second, they're afraid that, if they steal and get caught, then you're basically sacrificing another run. So managers are asking their players to steal less. And the other thing that we've seen in the last couple of years are the main base dealers, and specifically one in the AL, one in the NL, Adalberto Mondesi in the AL, and Trey Turner in the NL, both have gotten hurt in back-to-back -back years. And so if you're simply counting on Malik Smith or one of these high-end stolen base guys to get to this number, you know, I, I simply don't think it's going to happen. As a matter of fact, with all of the numbers that are on here, you would have to guess that a lot of them could potentially go under. And by the way, if any of these guys test positive, even potentially, um, then you know that there's no shot of some of these going over as well. But stolen bases, that's a little tip for you for me. Go under that 17 and a half. That's my prediction for 2020. All right, we got plenty more to come uh, here on our edition of Fantasy Sports Today. And if you stay tuned, coming up next, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into a couple of uh, win totals, speaking of which, at the FanDuel Sportsbook. We're going to talk a little bit more about teams making the playoffs. Will the Atlanta Braves make the playoffs in 2020? Will the Chicago Cubs make the playoffs in 2020? And I dug deep back into the month of February to find my fantasy team that I drafted in the League of Alternative Baseball Reality, I found the team. How does it look? Does it still look good? Should I even play this thing out? We'll tell you a little bit later in the show. You're watching Fantasy Sports Today right here on SportsGrid. I'm Craig Miss. Joe Pizapia joins us next as we continue on here on this Thursday. So stay on the grid and don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.